Imagine a world where you knew that you mattered and you belonged. The people cared about you because we were so darn good at listening to one another, no matter how different we are. That is what Sidewalk Talk is doing by putting listeners on sidewalks all over the world so that we can practice the art of connecting. Join me, founder and director Tracy Rubel, as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at sidewalk-talk.org. Dr. Roseanne Kapanahaj is the founder and director of Dr. Roseanne and Associates, and she's the originator of the 360-degree reboot intensive therapies program. She works with kids and teens and parents in Ridgefield and Newtown, Connecticut. She's on TV a lot. She's an expert. She's co-authored a book called The Brain Under Attack, which is a resource guide about pans and pandas. She's really an expert. Uh, in several areas, including anxiety-related disorders, ADHD, autism, executive functioning, dyslexia, and other learning disabilities. And what you're going to hear is a more holistic but clinically valid way to approach some of these things that kids are struggling with. And I can attest, as a parent and a therapist, finding really good therapists to work with kids and teens that are taking clinically valid holistic approaches is hard to find. Things like neurofeedback, biofeedback, and assessment for a bunch of other conditions that could be going on. So I will leave it there and you can read more about her in the show notes, but get out a pen because there's a lot of really cool information. Um, Again, Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge. Dr. Roseanne, I'm so excited to have you here today because in the five years that we've been listening on Sidewalks, we've listened to a lot of kids. And so I want to pick your brain about kids' brains, kind of, and how are we doing as a society connecting with kids? So tell us a little bit about what got you started working with kids and your expertise and all that good stuff. Well, thank you for having me because I'm ridiculously passionate about you know, helping children, helping parents. And it's a big reason why I'm the founder and director of not just Dr. Roseanne Associates, a center, but the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health, because we need to get this out um, on a larger platform. And so to answer your question, Tracy, about how are we doing? We're not doing too good. Uh, One in two children in America have either a physical or a mental health issue. This is a serious problem, and even though that's a statistic relevant to America, this really is a global issue. Children's mental health is what I like to talk about, but there's children are also displaying a ton of physical issues, everything from obesity to asthma to eczema and a host of other you know conditions. So we need to do more, and parents can do more. They just don't know. Um, some of the more holistic routes that they can take that are really very effective and also can be really cost-effective and really get to those root causes. So why is it getting worse? Why this uptick in statistics? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it, and that's just one statistic. I mean, suicide has doubled in the last 10 years. I mean, depression, anxiety is all time high. You know, the average age of onset of anxiety is now age six. I mean, it's pretty age bad. So six. Age, age six. six. That's the average age of onset for anxiety disorder. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. So we have, this isn't a single source issue. This is multifaceted, which means that the solutions are multifaceted. So, you know, what are the root causes? You know, it's everything from poor American diet to, which is, you know, we know that the American diet is called sad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's bad. It's a bad diet, right? You know, most people in America are eating processed foods and, um, and, you know, not really eating foods that contain nutrients like vegetables, fruits, uh, eating really healthy fats and, and meats and proteins, you know, it, so that impacts our brain and our body. Uh, we have a lot of genetic mutations that are occurring that is altering how we, uh, in particular, how we process nutrients. And one of the most common genetic mutations is one called MTHFR. And this single mutation, which they estimate that a minimum of 50% of the U.S. population now has, interferes with your ability to process the B vitamins. No kidding. Yeah, I know, right? Right? Kind of. And you have you ever heard of this, Tracy? No, I have never heard of this. I mean, I I know the importance of B vitamins and regulating your mood, but I didn't realize there was something actually blocking our capacity to process B vitamins. Yes. So this mutation, very simply, basically, you lack an enzyme to process the nine B vitamins, and two are critical. I mean, folate. They're all really important, but folate and B twelve seem to have the biggest you know, disruption in terms of the nervous system, as well as linking to other health disorders. And this MTHFR is miscarriage is the most common one and the most likely reason you'd actually be tested. And many women are probably like, yes, yes, I was tested for it because I kept having miscarriages and I had a problem with folate, you know, and it's not just, that's not where it ends. It's linked to stroke. It's linked to heart attack. It's linked to bipolar disease. It's linked to autism never met somebody with bipolar that didn't have this mutation. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement. I treat three thousands of people. You know, this is a big, big deal. So, so then what else is interfering with children's mental health? Very, very high stress levels. I mean, our culture has sort of accepted stress as the norm. Yeah. Right. No, I have sons. I have, I have 10 and 12 year old boys. Mm-hmm. And I witnessed this in them. And even their reaction to homework is not what my reaction to homework was. And so I, I'm like, I don't know that it's coming just from the family system. It seems to be coming no, from everywhere. the external system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's such a great point, Tracy, because what's happening is it's not just from the family system. It, our schools are very stressful. They're filled with other kids that are stressed. That's one part of it. Many children, their education in the United States is developmentally inappropriate. They're Mm -hmm. doing work way beyond what 
they are really even capable. And, you know, as somebody, one of my um, certifications, I'm a certified school psychologist. And just last year, I stopped doing neuropsych testing because I just don't have enough time. But it's something I did for over 20 years and, you know, in and out of schools and able to see what's actually going on. So I'm not talking from the pulpit. I was actually there, you know, on the front lines and able to work at schools. And, you know, what I saw in the last 10 years is that, for example, for first graders with writing, what they did in writing in first grade was the decade or less prior third grade. Wow. And wow, you know, I remember going to teacher was like, look at this handwriting. It's awful. And I'm like, honey, he's four. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, they looked at me like I, I, you know, I don't know, came from another planet. And I was like, it's not, he's, it's not normal for a four-year-old to have regular, beautiful handwriting. It's just not. But yet it was their expectation that it was because it was a very high achieving school. Um, so, you know, a lot of what I did was like, okay, what's developmental? A lot of pressure. I mean, when you and I went to school, I mean, I always joke about when I applied for college um, and I'm in my 40s, you know, I just sat down and was like, here's the list. Let me get out my typewriter and type these applications out. And you just applied to schools that you were pretty confident you would get into. Um, and that's what we did. It wasn't this intensity around it, you know. Um, so there's, there's a lot of pressures going on. Families themselves are working more hours, yep. uh, right? Yep. Our American culture doesn't value time off in the same way that, for say, European culture does or Australia, New Zealand, you know. Um, and, you know, just our overall health, American health is, you know, not good, right? You know, so just a lot of factors kind of culminating at the same time. And we have to look at, you know, in terms of children with even just what we call neurodevelopmental disorders like autism, ADHD, these things are on the rise. Mm-hmm. The now, uh, they just released CDC, the rate of autism is one in 53 children. Wow. That's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, and we, we, our system is nowhere near ready to support those kids. Yeah. Not, not financially, not socially, educationally, uh, you know, and another big problem is we're very socially disconnected. Everybody wants to blame everything on technology. I think it's just, <laughs> just you know, it's just, a, I mean, right now everybody's loving technology that we can stay connected, but you know, we're not as community oriented yes. in our culture. Yeah. Um, and not to say there's not park pockets in America where people are very community oriented but sort of as the norm, you know, my kids don't go to public school. I, we don't, we don't see our neighbors. We don't talk to them. We're not connected with them at all, despite me even trying. Well, and this so, is all relevant to the audience that's listening to our conversation. So yes. I want to talk about prescriptions. So I, I'm okay if we, you know, delve into prescriptions outside of connection too, but you know, when you think about tackling these, these mental health challenges in our kids, what are some of the first things that we can do now prior to legislation being passed, prior to there being lots of money thrown at it? What are some of the things that we can do in our day-to-day lives right now? Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm not even talking about legislation or money thro- being thrown at it. What I'm talking about is this is 100% in the control of parents yep. and they can do this despite being 
kid has autism. Oh yeah, your kid has ADHD. Oh, your kid has anxiety. And here's the pill for that. Because I'm going to tell you that is 100% the not the answer. And we have lots of research to show that it's not. Yeah. And so we're often being given a medical prescription for things that you can do. And it, it, again, there's lots of avenues, but the healing, the platform for reversing mental health symptoms is exactly the same. It's just that you get to a certain point and then there's certain treatments that you need, different types of psychotherapy or whatnot. Um, so, you know, what do we need to do? Right. So first of all, parents are completely in control of what they what food they provide. And that is what nobody wants to hear. It's easier to change somebody's religion than it is to change their diet. But changing your diet so that your kids are eating so that they're getting nutrients and often you can notice a difference quickly. So that's the first recommendation. Uh, the next recommendation is sleep. Mm. So we need to sleep more. <laughs> I mean, and that's it's, free. It's free. It's free. And we're going to talk about when we get to, you know, um, stress, we can talk about some different things. So then we need to look at nutrients that we're missing because there's so many mutations and because we're nutrient deficient in terms of what we're eating, we're all, those nutrients are going to be low in our body and maybe so low that you need direct supplementation. And I love to recommend working with a holistic physician or holistic health coach or a naturopathic physician if they're licensed in your area. There's lots of different routes to go. They use some of the best tools available that traditional physicians simply are not trained to use. Mm. Um, so today doctors are still being taught how to use labs that 30 years ago doctors were taught. So they're behind they're behind the times. They're behind and it's very intentful. So every single uh, physician program in America is funded by pharma in some way or shape or form. Yep. Got Go it. into all that, but we're going to just say there are other tools available and there are physicians that are trained to use these tools that are like, you know, it's my philosophy. I do QEG brain maps. I work with physicians and we do lab work and we don't get figure out exactly what is wrong with somebody. These are tools that have been around for decades, you know, yeah. and they just are so accurate. So, um, so one of the biggest things that parents can control, and really this is for anybody, it is stress management. And, you know, when I say stress management, I really mean getting the nervous system to calm down. And we're in this elevated stress state all the time because our body knows no difference. Mm -hmm. Good or bad stress. Mm. So I like to tell everybody I'm always super excited about everything. I'm a spaz. I got all these fun things going on in my life. <laughs> you are a spaz. That's what I love I about you. I'm a spaz. And, um, but maybe your body doesn't like it is what I'm hearing. My you say. body doesn't like it. And you know, one of the things that I really have to be careful about is preparing my body for sleep mm. because my body gets into this excitatory state. I mean, all you have to do is tell me you got like um, this food product or whatever it is on sale. And I'm just going to be like, don't oh, get all excited. I'm super Italian. I like to have fun all the time. So, um, so, so when your body, whether it's real stress 
like you're just almost got run over or you're losing your job or your kid has ADHD. I mean, I'm a special needs mom. You know, you're, the saying is, is that you're only as happy as your happiest child is as a mother or as a parent is a very true one. And so there are techniques that system down. And there's not one that is the Mac daddy, even though I do things like neurofeedback, biofeedback, PMF, and I think they're amazing. Uh, They're certainly the best tools we have available for clinical conditions, but you can do meditation at home. You can do biofeedback. You can do prayer. You can do yoga. You can do gratitude journaling. You can do five, seven, eight breath. These are all tools that get that nervous system regulated. Now, so I'm assuming that video games don't count. No, but they do have some cool video games that actually link in with biofeedback. Yeah. Um, the Mightier is one brand that does that. There's a couple others. I'm okay with it. You know, people sometimes when they promote certain things, they think, oh, that's not good. No, these are all good tools. The key to any of these things, Tracy, is you got to use them every day. So people think I meditated. I'm like, well, how, how often did you meditate? Well, you know, I did it for like three or four days. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it takes 40 days of meditation for 10 or more minutes every day. After 40 days, you will create lasting change in your brain. Yeah. I mean, and you think, well, 40 days? No, I think as little as in 40 days. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, and kids can do this. I mean, my kids have been doing this stuff since they were like, you know, barely could breathe, you know, on their own, um, you know, since they were just walking or whatnot. But these are tools that all families can do, all individuals can do. And you might say, well, I can't meditate. I've tried it. Well, you know, there's different kinds. There's progressive meditations where you're listening and they walk you through breath work. Um, and, and, you know, breath work is the simplest, easiest thing. I like to do a five, seven, eight breath, you know, in for five, hold for seven, and then out for eight. And you repeat that three times. Um, we do EFT tapping. There's free videos online. And, and these are tools, when you do this for yourself, you really are role modeling for a, parent, for a child. But when you do them together, you're really giving your kids such a gift. Because as you noted, Tracy, your kids, like your stress tolerance is a little high. So like you ask your kids to go to do their homework and, and they're feeling uncomfortable, right? Yeah. But why? Because their day is more intense than ours was. Yep. No, and, and it's, you're mirroring it the day that I had because my, my kids are in a foreign school now where they don't speak the language and they're stressed out. And sometimes I forget that, oh, yeah, they're not, I, I'm not dealing with the same kind of stress that they are. So um, no, it sounds like I need to go meditate with them. But here's the question Actually, I have for you. Do you get pushback on this from parents because it's so new age? Ever? Um, well, everything I do is evidence-based. Nothing I do doesn't have a significant amount of research about it. So once I discuss the research with them, uh, nobody gives me pushbacks. They always say one thing. Why didn't I know about this? Why uh-huh. didn't my doctor tell me this? Uh, and I say, because, you know, they didn't get the training. So, yeah. you know, I do training in multiple disciplines. Uh, they could do the same. Right. Right. So, you know, and, and you know this to be true as a mental health provider, there's just yeah. a lot of really great evidence. So, so even like, for example, we do very specialized treatment with OCD. Mm-hmm. So um, many people say they treat OCD, 
but they're not looking at the research as to what is the most effective treatment for OCD. And OCD for me, having worked for almost 30 years, was the most difficult condition of any condition I would treat. I had more success with a heroin addict than I did with an individual with OCD. Wow. Wow. It's very, very uh, habit-forming behavior. And so the brain habituates really quickly. So we switched and, you know, what did I do? I looked, I said, what's the most evidence-based research for for OCD? And it was exposure and response prevention therapy, Mm -hmm. ERP. So we switched, we did that. We combine it with neurofeedback or biofeedback, whatever is most needed for that person. And it just gets that nervous system regulated so that, and this is our philosophy, we regulate the nervous system so the person can access their frontal lobes mm-hmm. and that they can, you know, make decisions. They can think about their behaviors. They can take actions. So with, when you're in a heightened state, you know, and a, and a young child is a perfect example of this, but when you're in a heightened state, there ain't no reasoning going on. Yeah. You're in survival mode. You're in fight, flight, or freeze when you're activated. So I always think about a toddler, right? You, you know, they, you told them no. <laughs> and they have like they full on. Yeah, they're <laughs> screaming. They're reeling on the floor. That's what happens to an adult when they're, you know, inside, maybe externally, maybe they're angry. It depends if you're fight, flight, or freeze. When your nervous system is at maximum capacity. So when yep. we do things like these techniques, we get our nervous system way more regulated, right? Mm-hmm. So like your kids are experiencing a real stressor. They are in a foreign country and they don't speak the language. Now, what's on their side is they've got you, but they also um, can learn more language more easily as a younger child. Mm -hmm. Um, And also they're in Europe, so hopefully the kids are more cool. So (laughs) the kids kids are nicer. There's less bullying going on in the school for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's a different, there's more focus in Europe on community. Yes. Well, and that actually is a great segue to some of this and some sure. of this links to sidewalk talk. What is, what, what is, how does community re- play into any of this? So we've got kids wandering around the streets, stressed out. Mm-hmm. Their parents are stressed out. They're eating poor diets is what I'm hearing you say. They don't have yeah. a lot of ways to regulate themselves. So how can we be change agents? I mean, we sit on sidewalks listening to these kids. We actually have parents bring their kids to the sidewalk to be listened to by us. And how can we be of value in those interactions based yeah. on your experience. I mean, first of all, we need to get out and we need to interact. I think one of the saddest things that I have seen, people have said to me, like, what have you seen in these, this trend of 30 years? It's one of the most common questions and certainly a real rise in mental health problems and even the more extreme ones, but all of them. Um, but the anxiety overall, and the third huge thing is a lack of social skills. And even for kids that are very, what we call in our world, neurotypical, just your everyday kid. And people say to me, you know, why is that? Is it the video games? Is it this? Well, I don't want to deny that's not one part of it, but it started even before the massive rise of the smartphone. People aren't allowing time for play and free play in particular. And so, yes. And with free play comes a lot of problem solving through social connectedness. Like, you know, you just get out there and, you know, just like, and we're never going to, I don't think the time of us riding our bike until, you know, the sun is setting is probably over in most areas of America, right? Like I was out playing kick the can 
with yep. the neighborhood kids till, you know, my mother was screaming um, for us to come back in. And then we knew if my mother called, you better hustle. She left us out there all day, though. She didn't care. Yeah. Um, right? Because we were three siblings, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, she never worried about us being, you know, we were very sm- street smart and savvy and whatnot. Yeah. Plus, we were in a community that protected right. us. You know what I mean? So it was very tight. So I was grateful for that experience. And, I, you know, some areas of the world still have that. But I think overall, you know, unless it's a structured play date, unless it's your meeting uh, at your karate class. I mean, kids don't even have time for play dates because they're going to classes. And yeah. that is the way that we're interacting. You know, for some kids who need more structure, I think there's some value, but why aren't we doing both? Why aren't we blending? Yeah. No, I, it's been the biggest surprise slash loss slash thing that makes me sad for my kids. My best friend, actually, she just texted me recently from second grade. We used to play in her cherry orchard and peak life experiences on the monkey bars, um, playing pirate ship with mm-hmm. Michael Schmidt and Elisa Firm. I mean, I can remember all their names from second mm-hmm. grade because mm-hmm. it's, it's imprinted in my brain, you know? Yeah. And, and you figured stuff out, Tracy. You figured like, stuff you know? out. Oh, yeah. D- Jenny Smith won't let me get on the uh, this, that, and the other thing. You know, can you help me out? And, you know, instead, kids are always looking for an adult. And then, you know, kids now don't have stress tolerance because they don't know how to problem solve through things. And that's where, you know, interacting with the people in your community are, is so important. And I'm a big fan of like multi-age play. Um, and, you know, kids now, like when I meet a 10 or 11 year old, they've virtually stopped playing with um, the more you know, free play, creative things. When I was 10 or 11, we were still doing like dress up. We were still playing with our Barbies. I don't meet too many kids like that doing that anymore unless they're homeschooled or they're part of more of a progressive school that really still encourages that because then their peers are still doing that. So they don't know any different, right? Um, and, And so I think that's just so critical. You know, how can parents do that? you know, today, I mean, they can, you know, when they buy a home, you know, if they are able, you know, to move, they're not moving because of this, but when they're thinking about moving for their kids, you know, look at, is there community activities? Like my girlfriend purposely moved into an area of LA that, um, has all this community. It's very, very, um, small. It has multiple playgrounds. Nobody has backyards. They only have playgrounds. And so she's like, it's incredible. Like the streets are, there's a guard there. So like the kids can literally like wander on the streets. Um, And I was like, wow, this is really beautiful. And she was like, oh, I purposely, I could live elsewhere. I could have a house with a yard and things. She's like, this is what I wanted for my kids. You know, not everybody can do that. But what you can do is build your own tribe. So that was what I did when my kids were particularly younger. I was like, let's get together, yep. you know, and then, you know, let's just leave stuff out for them and, yeah. you know, let them figure it out. We don't have to structure it. We can be near it, you know, but we don't have to have like, okay, this is this activity and this activity. And some kids still may require that, especially special needs kids. Like you might want to preview things for them. Like, okay, we're going to get together. We're going to have a nerd battle and here are the rules. 
here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. If you're frustrated, do that. You know, kids, kids really benefit from clear communication in advance. And that's not, you know, that's helping them have problem solving. You know, I'll say like, can you, do you think maybe there'd be a problem that would happen? Oh yeah, I think that's, well, what would you do about it? Okay. Yeah. You go ahead. And then I, you know, with my own children or anytime I was with my friend's kids, I'd be like, okay, here I am. If somebody needs something, reach out to me, but I want to hear what your solution is first. Mm, Beautiful. That's great. You know, so what tips or advice would you give to our listeners? Some who have never been around kids, frankly, and they have a kid plopped down in their chair. We had this one boy who had just been uh, visiting San Francisco. His parents were kind of getting out of town from Hurricane Katrina, not Hurricane Katrina, um, Hurricane Harvey in Houston. Mm -hmm. And he was a young boy. And you know, the listener's like, I don't know what to do with this guy. I'm like, just follow his lead. But just curious, what would you would say? I, I actually think following the lead of children is so important, right? So I think what's hard about that today is our kids are used, um, are used to being stimulated all the time and they're much more bored more easily. Like my boys are five and a half years apart and I notice a big difference on the type of play dates we have mm. that now I have to set out activities and say, well, you could do this or you could do this or you could do this. Where before I was like, they would take off and they would just figure it out um, because they're so used to devices. So what I would say if you're, you know, have a kid in your community and, you know, you want to engage and you're, you know, with your neighbors is, you know, grab a ball, <laughs> um, you know, grab some sidewalk chalk, you know, art and those type of things provide loose activities and kids will always join in. You know, they like physical activities, kids, you know, and so some kids like board and things like that. But I always find if you do grab a ball or hula hoop or something like that and really keep it real basic or grab, grab some art, you know, particularly messy art. You know, when my kids were little, I, I still have sidewalk chalk in my um, it's still so fun, even for grown-ups. It's still so fun. <laughs> I love coloring and things like that. It's very meditative. You know, they have all these adult coloring books. Right. You know, grab an adult coloring book and have a kid sit with you, you know. But let kids lead. They, they learn through pre- play. They learn social connectedness. They learn problem solving. I mean, they just learn so much through play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Like, I, it's a wonderful thing when you get to play with kids. Yeah, it's great. I love kids. But yeah. I know we're at the end of our time with all this busyness that you've got. And I'm so grateful that you're in demand because the world needs you, Dr. Roseanne. So I'm actually sorry that you're so busy and thrilled that you're so busy. Um, but as a parting sort of tradition we have here at Sidewalk Talk, there are these 7,000 people that have taken some empathy skills training that listen all over on sidewalks. And I'm going to get out of the way here and let you speak directly to them, either a wish or words of wisdom about listening to kids that come across their listening chair. Well, this is a great opportunity. So thank you. So, you know, my wish is that, you know, for parents and that they who are struggling in in so many ways with their kids, you know, feeling overwhelmed or worrying, you know, they're up at night worrying about their kids, like what's going to happen, you know, at school, what's going to happen with their friends, you know, what's happening with their grades that just worry, worry, worry all the time is that 
to be empowered that they can reverse their child's mental health issues, whether it's attention or mood or anxiety, no matter what it is. And my real sage wisdom is to start somewhere. If you pick one area and you say, okay, we're going to start with diet. And how am I going to do this? You know, you can add a smoothie every day. Maybe that's where you're going to start. Maybe you're going to up fruits and vegetables or consistent protein, whatever it is. We're going to start with biofeedback. I'm going to get heart math. We're going to do it every day. Do it. Stick with it. Don't give up and role model it yourself. And you watch the change happen because it will. Beautiful. Well, folks that are listening, I'm going to put a bunch of information about Dr. Roseanne in the show notes. And I'm so grateful for your work in the world and for you sharing a little bit of yourself and your work with us. So thank you for being here with us. Well, thank you for letting me share. And, you know, I'm a mom just like everybody, you know, so many people are in the world and we need to be a community. Well said. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Take care. Take care. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode of the Sidewalk Talk podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family, like and comment on the podcast publisher that you're listening from and subscribe. This will help us get the word out about changing our culture to one of connection.